we're dealing with a, a brand new series today. Um, some of you that have been with us all year long, man, you're like, um, hey, where'd 1 Corinthians go? We finished it. Um, and so today we're moving on. Um, and today we're going to start to deal with this topic, this short series uh, on how to hear God's voice. And I know that all of us want to hear God's voice. Like we all desire to hear God's voice. Some of us are desperate to hear God's voice. And so we need to dig in here on, on, on how do we do that. Um, and uh, before we start, I want to acknowledge a couple of things. Um, you know, we just got done with, with Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, which was a verse-by-verse look through that letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, we've done that before with different books of the Bible, uh, 2 Timothy, Hebrews, uh, James, whatever. Uh, but here's the deal, Colossians. Here, here, here's the thing. Um, the way we've spent most of our time in, in the, the seven and a half years that I've been with you is dealing with topics like this, topics that we think are of critical importance, like how to hear God's voice, right? And then every now and then we've dug deep into a book. Well, I just want to let you know that, that part of the shift that we're making as, as elders um, and, and leaders in the church is that, that we've decided that we're going to spend more of our time, the majority of our time, dealing with verse-by-verse exposition of the Word of God like we did through the book of, of 1 Corinthians. And so we're going to be doing more of that. We'll be doing that in Ephesians when I get back from sabbatical. But now and then, we are going to want to talk, tackle topics like this, right? Uh, the, these are topics that we think are critical for the Christian faith. These are topics that matter a great deal. These are things that, that here, here, here's the, the, God expects us to hear his voice. He's speaking to us. He expects us to hear his voice. And all too often, we have no idea that he's talking. We aren't hearing him. Right? And so every now and then we've got to stop and take a step back and we've got to start to deal with these things that God expects from the church and from the Christian. This is one of those topics. Right? And we know we want to hear from God, but we are so confused about what he's saying or where he's saying it or how he's saying it that, that we don't have a clue. I'll tell you, there's a story, maybe you've heard it, of a young man who's walking down the street and, and, and an older woman who's sitting um, on the... Um, on the porch of her, her country property, watching him walk down the lane, and, um, and he gets to the, the end of, of the path, and there is a very dramatic fork in the road, right? There, there is no middle ground. He can go left or he can go right, but he can't go anymore, and so he stops, and he wanders around, and he mutters, looks up to the sky, and he mutters, and then frantically, he searches the ground for something. She doesn't know what he's lost, if it's money, if it's um, a contact. She doesn't know. But, but, but all of a sudden, he picks up a long stick, and he walks to the edge, uh, the, the beginning of the fork, and he, and he throws the stick as high up in the air as it'll go. And he, and he watches it, and he waits for it to land, and it clearly lands on the left path. And he looks up in the sky, and he mutters. And she thinks he's crazy looks up in the sky and he mutters and he picks up the stick again and he throws it as high up in the air as it'll go. And, and it very clearly lands again on the left path. Two more times he does this. 
exacerbated. He picks it up and he throws it as high as it'll go and it lands clearly on the left path. Finally, because she can't take it anymore, the elderly lady climbs down off her, her porch, down the stairs, and she walks down and she says, excuse me, young man, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm asking God to tell me what direction to go, to tell me clearly where to go. So I picked up the stick and I threw it high in the air and I trusted God to tell me which direction. And she said, well, I get that, but why do you keep doing it? He said, I I keep waiting for him to get it right. (laughs) I mean, we want to hear God talk to us, but we don't listen. And part of the reason we don't listen is because we're looking for something dramatic. God talked to Noah and he told him to build a boat, that a flood was coming. He talked to Moses in a burning bush and said, go back to Egypt and confront the most powerful man in the world and tell him to let the people go. We're going to read next week in Numbers about a story where God opens the mouth of a donkey to speak. We see in Daniel that a finger a finger, a giant finger just shows up out of thin air. It's not connected to a body. And it writes on a wall. And we're like, yeah, God, that's what I want. I want those dramatic, I want those big experiences. I want to hear from God. The problem is that we want those because they're easy. We don't necessarily want to put in the work to hear from God the way that God is speaking to us, but he's speaking to us. Here's what Jesus says, man. In John 10, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. They listen to my voice because I talk to them and they hear me and they follow me. And we'll sit back and we say, okay, God, if you're dramatic and demonstrative, then we'll hear you and then we'll follow. It's the same thing we do with with people today, right? Think about the people that you follow. They're the people that are loud. They're the people that are demonstrative. They're typically the people that speak to you with undeserved confidence about how right they are. I mean, we get messages from every direction about people that are sure they're right. We follow the loud ones, the dramatic ones. That's not maybe the way that God is going to talk to us, but he's talking. My sheep listen to my voice. They hear me. I know them. They follow me. But here's the reality. The reason we look for the big things, they're easy, and we're looking for those otherworldly moments, for the grand sensation of hearing from God. But listen, when God talks to you, it is not so that you can get goosebumps. When God speaks to you, it is not so that you can be prideful of the fact that you are hearing from the voice of God. When God speaks to you, it is not for the sake of sensation. It is for the sake of your transformation. 
And that's why we have to start here with this topic today of how God speaks to us through the Bible. Because the most consistent and regular way to hear the voice of God is to be in the Word of God. When Jesus say, I speak and my sheep hear my voice and they know me and I know them and they follow me. This is where we hear his voice. And I'm not talking metaphorically hear his voice. I'm talking about this is where God speaks to us. And, and we're going to talk about some other things throughout the course of this series over the next weeks. We're going to talk about your dreams. We're going to talk about the signs. We're going to talk about the people that God puts in your path. We're going to talk about the desires of your heart and how they might be given to you by God in a way that God speaks to you. We're going to talk about your pain and how God speaks to us through our pain. We're going to talk about all of those things, but listen to me. They are all secondary to this. Because as soon as you disregard this, and you start assuming that God is just going to talk to you through your dreams, listen to me, you're going to believe some things that aren't, that, that aren't honoring God. As soon as you say, I don't need this, but people are going are, are, are to be my sign of what God wants and how he's speaking to me, then, then you're going to be far afield. This is our anchor. This is our compass. This is our true north. And this is quite literally the main way that God wants to speak to you. So if you were looking for something more fantastical today, then I'm going to disappoint you. If you were like, man, we're going to have a series about how to hear God's voice, and you thought I was going to give you four easy steps to hear the voice of God, right, to get your bush to catch on fire, man, get some matches and go home. That's all I got for you. Because this is it. This is the number one way, right? And that's not me just being hyperbolic here. This is, this is the way that God wants to speak to you. You're like, Matt, it's a book. And I've tried to read it. And it's weird. And it's hard. And I can't always understand it. And sometimes it's really clear and sometimes it's really convoluted. And I've read it, and there's no way that I believe that God is speaking to me through that book. Listen to me. We're going to deal with that this morning because that's what I can help you with. But we just have to go in knowing that this is the way, first and foremost, that God wants to talk to you. And I promise you that he has things to say. Our problem isn't that God isn't talking. Our problem is that we aren't hearing him. Start in Hebrews 4.12. And here's what we're going to know about the Word of God. We're going we're to drill down on three verses today. Three very specific verses. They're going to talk to us about how God is speaking to us through His Word. Things that we can do to more clearly hear God. Things we can understand to more clearly hear God. And we start here in Hebrews. Here, here's what the author of Hebrews says. Right? And we're not taking these out of context. Right? The, these, these are what they are. And we just own it. For the word of God is alive and active. 
That's how he starts this. The, the author of Hebrews starts this, this chunk, this exposition, this, this admonishment to, to the, uh, Israel. He says, the word of God, right? This is what we're talking about, the word of God, right? The Old Testament, New Testament, God-breathed. Right? The word of God is alive and active. How in the world is it alive and active? Right? This is not a book. The word of God is living and active. Here's what I want you to understand. This was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's weird. I know. Right? Like, what does it mean that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit? It had human authors, and humans are stupid. And yes, we are. We're fallible. We're jacked up. We make mistakes all the time. Even the best of you. I was going to say best of us, but that might make you think that I was one of you. I'm not. Right? But I see you. I know who you are. And you still mess it up. You still mess up. So how can this be alive and active? What does it mean that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit? Here's the words Paul uses. Right? Paul talks about that the Holy Spirit exhales himself out, right? That these words that you read are breathed out. They're God-breathed. And that same Holy Spirit that inspired the original authors, the human authors, that breathed himself out on paper and ink is the same Holy Spirit that inspires you as you take it in. He's on both ends of the spectrum. It's living and active. He breathed them out, and he's there with you as you inhale them in. Right? Bookends. The Holy Spirit is on both sides of that equation. You're like, but Matt, the Bible was written for them. It's not written for me. Stop that. Absolutely it's written for you because the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He wrote the darn thing, and now you're reading it, and he is giving it to you. Living and active. This Bible, what, 40-some authors? Human authors. Three continents, three languages, over the course of 1,500 years. Human authors that ranged from farmers to fishermen to kings, slaves, prophets, prisoners of war. And it touches on every topic. I don't care how controversial. And yet in all of that, it's written in one voice and it never contradicts itself. And it reads from start to finish in any place on this planet, in any generation, any time, any place. It does what God needs it to do. Why? Because it's living and active. Because it's the Holy Spirit. It's living and it's active. Listen, you don't read the Bible only. The Bible reads you. I know you're like, Matt, that's really cliche. I know. You can scoff. Go ahead, scoff. Okay, thank you. It was a pretty weak scoff, but I'll take it. I know it sounds cliche. You don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. And other pompous, arrogant, religious things that we say at church to drive people away. I get it. I get it. But it doesn't make it less true. Right? And like, How in the world does the Bible read you? Because you know when you read it, it cuts you to the core. 
If you let it, it cuts you to the core, right? It quickens your spirit. That's the word we're going to use. When you read the Bible, if you allow it to, it will quicken your spirit. It stirs in your spirit. Now, some of you are dorks like me. And I use the word quicken, and you're thinking there can be only one. Who was thinking Highlander? The quickening. Thank you guys. I'm going to come over here and talk to you guys. You know what quickening is. It's this uncontrollable urge that you have, the move that you have. When you read the Bible, right? When I say you don't just read it, it reads you. Well, what in the world does that mean? It sounds so trite. It sounds so Christianese. It sounds dumb. But no, no, no. Here's what happens. As you read it, as you take it in, it will stir in you, right? It will show you things. And what is it showing you? How does it quicken in your spirit? How does it quicken in your heart? Well, here's what it does, right? It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is so fine and it penetrates and it cuts and it gets to the heart. And when you read the word of God and the word of God reads you, it gets to your heart and it lays it bare and it shows you everything that you should know. And sometimes it's confusing and sometimes you have to stop and you have to focus and you have to go back and you have to look at other things to help you understand. You have to listen and ask, but it shows you. It lays it bare. The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It even divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and it penetrates your heart. It reframes everything. when you allow it to. When you read it with the expectation that the same Holy Spirit that breathed it out is going to help you inhale it. It quickens your soul. It changes things. It reframes things. It reframes what's possible because I can't do anything. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I learned that, right? I learned that in Philippians. It redefines reality. It reframes reality, right? Because when I read this and when I understand this, it quickens my spirit as I read it and I understand what what Paul means in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Man, we would have done that way back in like January, if you remember that far, Right? It, it, it reframes my reality, right? What's my reality? That, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even thought of the good things that are in store for those that belong to Jesus Christ. We can't even begin to imagine. It reframes what's possible. It reframes reality, and it reminds us of who we really are. Who are you? To as many as will believe, John tells us, to as many as who will believe, he gives the privilege to be called sons and daughters of God. This is what the word of God will do. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and it pierces the heart to teach you the truth, to quicken you, to understand that you are a child of God. 
that all things are possible and that God has things in store for you that you can't possibly understand. It's what the word of God does. That's how God's speaking to you. God is speaking to you in your word. You're like, Matt, then why when I read it do I not always feel it? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Well, partly it's because you don't abide. Because when it gets tough, we take a hike. Because not only does the word of God reframe what's possible and what's real and who I really am, the word of God slices and it exposes and it lays bare It lays bare your innermost thoughts. It lays bare your sin. It lays bare your struggle. And so most of us, what we do is we read it, we close it, we say, oh, well, I didn't hear from God today, and we move on. But if you really want to hear from God, when you feel that quickening of your spirit, you've got to stay put. You've got to abide. This is what John says. He says, I'm the true vine. It's Jesus talking. Um, it's not what John says. It's what Jesus says in John. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Right? It makes sense, right? It's what a gardener would do. Jesus says in this analogy, I'm that right? I am, um, I am the vine. God is the gardener, right? If you are with me, you will bear fruit. If you don't abide with me, then you won't bear fruit. You'll, you'll shrivel and you'll prune and you'll be worthless. And, and, and so God will cut you off. Here's what he says though. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. I skipped one, right? Uh, He says, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. But in verse three, you're already clean. Why? Why are we clean? Because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus has spoken to you. The word. He's spoken to you. You're already clean. He says, so all you have to do is abide. You're clean. You're connected. You're forgiven. You're free. You're new. All of that is true right? Because of the word I've spoken to you, the word you received, you're forgiven and free. All you have to do now is abide. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It has to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He finishes by saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fifteen times, if you read the original King James, and some of you will find that funny because you're like, "Uh, Matt, it was written in Greek. I know. That was for my brother Lowell. Um, The original King James. It's good enough for Jesus. No, I'm kidding. Um, Right? (laughs) Fifteen times in the King James Version, the word abide is used. In rabbinic tradition, here's something about the word of God that's living and active. Rabbinic tradition teaches that the word of God has, each word in scripture has 70 faces and 600,000 meanings. 
Some of you are like, that's why I have a hard time understanding it. I get that. But, but here's what that means. It means it's a kaleidoscope. That's the point, right? The word of God is living and active. It's not stagnant. You don't read it once and get it. Right? You don't read it once and just know it. But it's always fresh and always new and always penetrating to your heart and always quickening your spirit and always teaching you something. And the word abide 15 times in John 15. And it's one of those words that, that can mean so many different things. It can mean um, moving. It, it's actually a, a, a present imperative verb in case you care, which means it's a continual action to abide. What does it mean to abide? Well, to abide means that you're shaken to your core. Abide means that you stand firm in what you know. To abide means that you hold fast to the one you're with. Right? He says, abide in me. Right? Listen, it's not enough just to read the word and know the word, but you've got to abide. And some of you are, see, see, we start this and some of you are like, Matt, you know what? I picked up the Bible the other day and I read it and God didn't talk to me. Yeah, I know, right? I'm not saying that you can one day pick up the Bible and read it and all of a sudden you're going to hear God's voice. That's not how it works. It would be awesome if it did. Because if that happened, you would go ahead and say, you know what? Cool, I'll keep reading. But that's just not how it works. You're like, Matt, why doesn't it work that way? I don't know. I just know that the power of the Word of God comes from consistently being in the Word of God. Every now and then, you may get a random supernatural experience where you hear from God, right? It's the, the story of the guy, you've probably heard it, you know, and I believe it. It's probably a very real story, but it's, it's like the story of the guy that's, that's pacing in his living room and his wife is worriedly looking at him and he's struggling so bad he's about to give up and, and just everybody knows that he's on his last little bit of, of reserve. And he's walking and pacing and, and fretting and worrying and he just doesn't know what to do. And startling his wife, he looks up to heaven and he just screams, where are you? I need help. Tell me, God, what to do. And there's nothing. And he sits down exacerbated. And he kicks his feet back. And he's about ready to just quit. And his wife says, what's, what's that stuck to the bottom of your shoe? And he pulls off a sticker and he looks at it and it says, keep going. And man, we'll sign up for experiences like that. But here's the deal, man. They don't really happen all that often. You want to hear God consistently abiding in his word. The power comes in consistency. You wait for the quickening of your spirit and you do not get scared. You do not, out of conviction, walk away, out of disgust, out of contempt, out of confusion. You abide. This is how it works. Is it easy? No. It's not easy. 
but that's okay. You can handle it. Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen. Picked up the wrong thing. I needed this. Can I give you a word about reading the Bible? Some of you, you have a reading plan and it's awesome. Some of you are more flip and read. You take your Bible and you're like, I wonder what I will read today. And, and you read. And you're like, God is going to speak to me through that. I'm just going to open. I'm going to flip. I'm going to point. And whatever that is, that's how God wants to speak to me today. Stop it. Get yourself a reading plan. I don't care what it is. They're available all over the place. Get yourself a reading plan. And read scripture with the intention to hear the voice of God. If you open and flip, you'll be like the guy, right? Like, and this isn't real. This is a joke. So don't think this really happened. But he, he flipped, he pointed, and, and he's like, okay, God, speak to me in this verse. Judas went and hung himself. <laughs> All right, now forget it. I'm gonna... Go and do likewise. Don't do it. And some of you, that's going to be, that's hard for you because that's how you read the Bible is you're just like, okay, what, what is it today? And I, listen, can God talk to you that way? Sure. Right. But when you do that, you're, you're missing the consistency of abiding, allowing God to quicken your soul and your spirit and abiding in him. Get yourself a reading plan and follow it. Here's uh, what the ancient, I don't care if you do it this way, but it, it works. If you're one of those that struggles with reading and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to read. I don't know what to, what to get out of it. It doesn't work for me. It's like I'm just reading words. Okay, then you're only doing part of the work. The ancient Benedictine monks, uh, they had this process called Lectio Divina. And it was a five-step process. I'll share it with you here. Here's what it was. First thing they did was probably the only thing most of us do. And that was read the words. They liken this to a meal, right? They liken the process of digging into the word of God like digging into a meal, right? Like, like, like imagine you've been fasting for a day, two days, a week, 40 days in the wilderness, whatever it is, you've been fasting and then you're digging into a meal, right? That's how the Benedictine monks, monks uh, suggested you approach the word of God. And, and step one is you read. That's like taking a bite, the first bite. And that's where most of us quit, right? We read and then we're done. And, and, and if we're, we say, I read, I check it off my list or I get frustrated because I didn't hear from God today or whatever it is and I close it and I move on. But that's the first step. We read, you take a bite, but then there's more. You chew, don't you? When you're eating a meal, don't you take a bite and then you chew, Right? You meditate on what you read. God, what does it mean? What are you saying? What were you saying to them? What does this say about who you are? And, and a far down the end is, what does this say about my relationship with you? You chew. You meditate. And I'm really bad at this, right? When I eat, man, I am done in a minute. But Carrie... Man, she is so, and she even uses the word, right? And it's like a stab to my heart every time she uses it. She's like, well, you ate yours and you're sad, but I'm savoring mine. 
right? We'll stop and we'll get blizzards because that's healthy. But because we're being really good, we'll get minis. Mini blizzard. And I'm like done in a minute. 30 minutes later, we're pulling in the driveway and Carrie's still eating hers because she's savoring it. It's good with food. It's necessary with the word of God. You take a bite, you read, you meditate and chew it up, and then you prayerfully savor it. You enjoy it. You let it linger. And then finally, you you swallow. You contemplate. Okay, God. You quickened my spirit. I've abided in your word. What are you saying to me? I'm hearing your voice. What are you saying? And then the last thing you do is um, you, you recognize that when you eat food, um, it's not just for food's sake, but it's for energy. It does something in your body. It feeds your body so that your body can be active. And when you read the word of God so that God will speak to you and he quickens your spirit, right? And he quickens your spirit and you abide in the word so that you can savor this meal and you can find out what it is that God is really saying because God is talking to you. What is he really saying? Then the last thing is, man, you've got to do what he says. You've got to do what he says. And I want to be clear with you here. If you won't do what God says, then you really did not intend to hear from him. If you won't do what God tells you to do, then why are you worried about hearing his voice? Why would you want to hear from him if you're just going to ignore him? It doesn't make any sense. Let's focus on this last text here. This is what James says. We're going to look at, at, at um, I think, five verses total, six verses total. But he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Instead, right, therefore, we get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and we humbly accept the word of God that was planted in you, that can save you. The word of God planted in you. Accept that. And, and, and when I accept it what, it, what does that mean? He says, so here's what it means. So don't just listen to the word of God. You're saying, God, I want to hear your voice. He's planted his word, right? The Holy Spirit that, that breathed it out is helping me breathe it in. It quickens my spirit. I abide in it. And God says, I, I've, I've told you. I've talked to you. You said, I want to hear your voice. God says, I, 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 I spoke to you. So don't merely... Just hear me, but hear me. You know the difference, right? Between hearing somebody and really hearing somebody. That's what he's saying. Don't merely listen to the word. 
Because if you just listen but don't do anything, then you're just deceiving yourself. Instead, you do what it says. Anybody who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, right? And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he even looks like. That ever happened to you? You look in the mirror and you didn't even know what you were looking at? You've forgotten what you looked like? First time I shaved my head? This is no joke. First time I shaved my head, actually Carrie shaved it for me. First time Carrie shaved my head for me. Woke up the next morning and I looked in the mirror and I, I kind of had one of those moments when I'm like, who is here? <laughs> it was me. I'd forgotten what I looked like. Turns out it wasn't awesome. That's <laughs> what it's like when we hear from God. We say, God, I want to hear your voice. And so he speaks to us. Ready, willing, able. He speaks to us. He quickens our heart. He divides with this double-edged sword, bone, marrow, soul, spirit. Pierces the heart. And we abide in him. We, we sit there and we chew on it. We contemplate it. Right? We savor it. But we're not done yet. Because if we really want to hear God's voice, then we really have to act. Otherwise, we're kidding ourselves. We're like Jesus said. Remember when Jesus was explaining to his disciples why he spoke in parables? They're like, why do you keep speaking in parables? Why won't you just speak plainly? Some of you have that same question about the Bible. Why does it have to be so confusing? Why can't it just be plain? And here's what Jesus said, right? If you've ever wondered that, he answered you. Why can't it just be more simple? When I open up the Bible, why can't it say, Matt, do this? Why? Here's what he says. He says, I speak in parables because this is going to be true. Many of them will have ears, but they won't hear. They'll have eyes, but they won't see. Right? They have minds, but they won't comprehend. It's only those who allow me to quicken their spirit, who abide in me, and who do what I say when I talk to them. They will get it. They will hear me. And when we hear him, whoever looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God that gives freedom, real freedom, and we continue in it, we don't forget what we've heard, but we put it into practice. When we hear the voice of God, we do what the voice of God tells us to do. Then we'll be blessed. And here's the deal. Some of you were hoping it was going to be easier than that. Some of you were hoping that we were going to talk about dreams and how God might speak to you through your dreams the way that he did to Daniel and, and Pharaoh and Joseph and all kinds of people in Scripture. Some of you hoped we were going to talk about like a booming voice from the sky and how to tune into the right frequency the way you do a radio station, right? Some of you, you hoped we were going to talk um, uh, about ways to, to, to 
tune in to what other people are saying, to really hear what God wants us to know. And you know what? Here's the deal. We're going to talk about those things over the next three weeks. We are. But I'm going to challenge you. You want those because they're easy. You want those because of the sensation. But none of those work. None of those are good. None of those are consistently God if you can't start here. The word of God is living and active. Right? We abide in it. And then we do what God tells us to do. That's what it is. So here's my challenge for you as we wrap up. Get back into the Bible with renewed purpose, with intentionality, with a plan, with the expectation, listen to me, the expectation that the God of the universe who created you and sustains you and who loves you with a ridiculous love and passion, the kind that sent his one and only son so that he would lay down his life so that through his death and resurrection, you could find freedom and forgiveness and healing. That God is talking to you. And I promise you that what he has to say is a whole lot better than what the rest of the world is trying to tell you. His voice is a whole lot more commanding than the people you're drawn to. His voice is a whole lot more comforting than the shoulder that you cry on. That God is talking to you. So we need to listen. And we need to hear. And that takes patience and intention and effort. And it starts with being in the word consistently and not just reading it, but abiding in it, savoring it, praying over it, chewing on it, contemplating it, and putting it into practice. Some of you don't know how to study the Bible. And I get that. Why would you? Right? If you've never been taught, how would you know? If you've never sat through a class where somebody modeled it for you, if you've never put it into practice, how would you know? So I want to help you. And here's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you by giving you Mike Lutz. In two ways. Stay with me, Mike. It's going to be okay. In two ways. One is, I forgot, he, he was at the door here. This is why I'm saying, or he was greeting somewhere earlier. And so I, was, I meant to, at the, at the Welcome Center there, and I meant to give it to him, so he had him there. So he's going to go grab him for me and put him on the Welcome Center. Um, Nav Press has a very excellent resource um, about inductive Bible study. And it will guide you through how to take a passage of Scripture and start to inductively look at what God is saying about himself, right, about the world, and about your relationship with him and it. Right? And so that resource, I just printed off 75 copies. If you want one, they'll be at the Welcome Center. The other thing, just ask Mike. He knows how to study the Bible. If you ever sat through a Sunday school class that Mike was leading, you know he knows how to study the Bible. So you can get a study sheet from him and also his phone number. <laughs> but if you want to hear the voice of God, I know it's not as sexy as something else. 
but we start with the Bible. I know that sounded funny, didn't it? Let's make the Bible sexy again. And on that note, I got to quit. Heavenly Father, God, you are good and gracious and kind, and we love you. You are speaking to us. Help us to hear you. Yeah, God, we want and we will crave and we will learn about and we will be open to those extraordinary moments where you do something extra to speak to us, to speak to our hearts, to communicate some truth with us. But God, let's not seek those first. Instead, let's first seek to hear from you. The very things that you have breathed out, help us to breathe them in. Help us to hear your voice as we read the word as we abide, as we're quickened in our spirits. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. We acknowledge that you are holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, and who forevermore will be. God, we love you and praise you. Amen.